0: yourself in danger when you're threatened by a stranger. When it looks like you will take a licking, there is someone waiting who will hurry up and rescue you. Just call
1: OTR. And now here is your guide the
2: the mind
0: of the mind. There is someone waiting who will hurry up and rescue you. Just call OTR. And now here is
1: Now is the world premiere of the Pittsburgh Paints Theater of the Air.
3: Mr. Freeberg, can you manage to mention somewhere that it's a product of PPG Industries? Yeah, as long as we're not too obvious about it, you know.
4: Where is it written that you gotta live with gloom, Looking at a colorless
2: old room. Don't you know that room suddenly can bloom with a little Pittsburgh Paint? Red that's red and green that's green How can you begin to see what we mean Until you come in and try to choose From 47 blues We got a rose that goes all the way well, How about a blast of great glace If the world out there is dull and square and gray Why don't
0: you shut out drab? Put down gloom Bring some love into that room the piece of the rainbow from hey! Everyone, this is OTR Rob. Welcoming you to another edition <laughs> of Fibber and Molly. This favorite molly comes from january thirteenth, nineteen forty eight. McGee invents a cartable radio. If you don't know what that is, listen because it's a good idea and no one's done it. <laughs> Can you believe that? No one's done it. Anyway, so enjoy. February Molly, and after that is Our Miss Brooks. From February 27th, 1955, funny thing about this episode, it is the only episode in February. After that, it jumps right into March. We just finished up with January. Anyway, uh, the episode entitled Visiting Basketball Coach and You Bet Your Life. From 1950, June 7th. The secret word is dress. D-R-E-S-S. Enjoy all these, and I'll see you all back here next week. God willing, the creeks don't rise. Be safe. Be careful. Be smart.
5: Enjoy.
6: The Johnson Wax Program with Bimmer McGee and Molly. (laughs) Wax Products for Home and Industry present Fibber McGee and Molly with Bill Thompson, Gail Gordon, Arthur Q. Bryan and me, Harlow Wilcox. The script is by Don Quinn and Phil Leslie. Music by the Kingsmen and Billy Mills Orchestra. Johnson Self-Polishing Glow Coat It shines as it dries. It shines brighter than it's ever shown before. Actually nearly twice as bright. Just think what that means to you and to your home. To you, it means a fast, easy way of waxing your linoleum and varnished floors. With Johnson's Glow Coat, there's no rubbing or buffing. You merely apply and let dry. To your home, it means added beauty, a rich, warm, glowing coat of tough wax that will protect floor surfaces and make them stay beautifully new years longer. Your cleaning chores will stop being chores because dust, dirt, and spilled things vanish with a wipe of a damp mop or cloth. Yes, that glow coat beauty is just as easy to keep clean as it is to apply. Once you've seen that shining, glowing, gleaming, protective coat, you'll realize just how lovely your home can be. Be easy on yourself, be easy on your floors. Use Johnson's self-polishing glow coat and really bring out the beauty of your home.
7: Look on the bright side, shine up the right side, bring out the beauty of the home.
6: Mr. McGee of 79 Wistful Vistas had a lot of million dollar ideas in his time. Some of them were not so good, of course, but others were simply horrible. (laughs) But he's got one now that looks like a winner. In fact, it's terrific. It's sensational. It's colossal. It's Well, it's Fibber McGee and Molly.
8: This idea hits me in the middle of the night last night. I leaps out of bed, half asleep as I was, runs over to the dresser, grabs a piece of paper, and writes it all down.
9: Well, now that was very intelligent of you, dear. You me. betcha. Did you find the piece of paper this morning?
8: Yeah, but it didn't have anything wrote on it. What do you mean? I was so sleepy I'd used a nail file to write with. <laughs> but this time I remembered, and that's why I got this package right here, kiddo. This is the greatest little invention since Eli Whitney started making gin out of cotton. <laughs>
9: Eli Whitney did not make gin out of cotton, mm-hmm. He just invented a machine to take the seeds out of
8: them Well, no, they can leave the seeds in it for all I care <laughs> I prefer root beer anyway <laughs> well, Let me tell you about this idea, kiddo Well, sir, I goes down to the war surplus store Oh,
9: no, not another 16-man life rat <laughs> no, 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 no.
8: That was a bargain, all right, but this is better Look, what would you say if we had a radio in the car? We
9: have got a radio in the car the kind that goes dead when you drive under a viaduct alongside a streetcar, near a power line, or past a policeman with a magnetic personality.
8: You didn't leave me finish.
9: Oh, I'm sorry.
8: What would you say if we had a car radio that we could just lift out and carry away and use as a portable radio? Or just stick it back in the dashboard of the car again?
9: Why, that sounds wonderful. Whose idea is that?
8: Mine. <laughs>
9: Well, then tell me over again. There must be something wrong with it.
8: No, sir, this is it, kiddo. This is the gimmick that's going to put us in a big paid-for house on the sunny side of Easy Street. Here, look.
9: What's that ugly-looking
8: thing? That, my dear, is an army surplus radio. Six tubes. I'm going to rewire the car so I can just stick this radio in and use it as a car radio, or yank it out, switch over to battery, and use it as a portable. You are looking, Mrs. McGee, at the original McGee cardable radio. Cardible, get it? Combination of car and
9: portable? <laughs> Deary, I take back everything I ever said about you and your inventions. Or I'd like to if it wouldn't take so long.
8: <laughs> Forget it, Snooky. In every generation, there's one outstanding genius that's had to endure the jeers of the hyphali. <laughs> ah, but you're looking at a guy that's going to collect right off the bat I'll have every car owner in the country screaming for a McGee Carnival radio You will? Boy, I can just see the Ford people tugging at my coat sleeves Waving thousand dollar bills at me You can't? But do you think I'm going to grab the first twenty million dollar offer they throw at me? You better You said it
9: <laughs> Well, what do you do now?
8: Well, first uh, I see if I can work this army radio Now let me see Wonder how you turn it on.
9: Well, I never was much for electronics, Beth. But just as a suggestion, how about that little switch there that says on?
8: Hmm. Well, that's worth a try, at least. And now, madam, with the very finger that will soon be digging bank presidents in the ribs, I turn on the first McGee Carnival Radio. That's what a that.
9: moment in history. Yeah. Better make it two moments. Nothing is happening.
8: Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. Listen. Ah, do that.
6: Deputy
8: calling car 15 for the 14th and 0. A man creating a disturbance. That is
9: all. Ah. Isn't that wonderful? Every squad car in town will want one of these radios.
8: (laughs) I got a TL for you, Snooky. Every squad car in town has got one of them. Oh, well, I'll tune in some other station and see what I can get. Uh Uh-oh, not a word about this to anybody now.
9: Okay, Chief, I'll keep it under my hairnet. Come in. Hello there, Mr. Wimple. Oh,
8: hi, Wimp.
10: Hello, folks. Mm. Oh, for goodness sakes, what a cute little radio, Mr. McGee. Yeah. Does it work?
9: Oh, it certainly does, Mr. Wimple. <laughs> All you have to do is join the police force, get assigned to a squad car. Easy, Molly,
8: now, remember. Wimp, old man, I ain't dribbling this down Main Street yet, see, but you happen to be looking at the portable radio that's going to revolutionize the industry.
10: You don't tell me. Mm.
8: I'll say I don't, not till I get it perfected. All I can say is this is a car radio that is also a portable radio. Use it in the car or lift it out and take it with you.
9: He won't tell you any more than that, though, Mr. Wimple, for fear you might catch on to the idea.
8: Yeah.
10: Well, I wouldn't be in the market for one anyway, I'm afraid. I've already got practically the same thing. What? You have? Yes. The loudspeaker in my car usually gets right out and walks along with me still talking.
4: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you mean...
10: Yes. <laughs> Sweetie Face, my big old wife.
9: (laughs) How
8: are you two lovebirds getting along these days, Cy?
10: Oh, everything is just going along peachy, Mr. McGee. In fact, Sweetie Face hasn't said an unkind word to me since Christmas Day. Out
9: of town, is she?
10: No, she caught the (laughs) mumps.
8: That's pretty tough, Wimp. The mumps is something I wouldn't even wish on Sweetie Face.
10: You wouldn't? (laughs) No. Well, wasn't exactly what I wished for either, but it's better than nothing, I guess.
4: <laughs>
10: But I've got to get downtown, folks. I'm getting Sweetie Face a little sickbed present. Oh
9: how thoughtful. What are you going to get, Mr. Wimple?
10: Oh, isn't very much really. <laughs> I'm just going to get her a quarter of the sourest, puckeryest pickles I can find. <laughs>
9: days, isn't that awful? Pickles for the mumps. Why, she'll leap up and jam them all down Mr. Wimple's own throat.
8: Well, that'll be a neat switch, a pickle in wimp. (laughs) Oh, well, I got no time for other people's troubles right now. I got to get busy and make us a few million bucks.
9: Oh, wouldn't it be wonderful if you did make a lot of money, dearie? I wonder if a mink coat is very warm.
8: If you get cold in a mink coat, kiddo, we'll buy you two mink coats. (laughs) Now, let me see here. This switch here turns it on.
9: There. There's a mink coat in the wind at the Bontown that I just love. Yeah. The most beautiful mink coat I ever saw.
8: WVPD.
6: WVPD. Calling car 15. Go to 14th and Oak. A man creating a
8: disturbance. That is all. Hmm. Seems to get only one station.
9: Can you leave it turned off long enough for me to call my dressmaker, dearie?
8: Sure. What do you got to call her about?
9: A new lining in my old cloth coat. <laughs>
6: Billy Mills in the orchestra and pass that piece pipe. <laughs>
8: See. If I put this here wire there and that there wire here Then this here wire hooks onto that there wire Which puts this here wire there And that there wire here There. That ought to do it.
9: Well, how are you getting along, dearie?
8: Just got about it rewired, Molly. Now, wait just a sec. Aha! Now, listen to this. There. WVPD. WVPD. Calling D. Go to the corner of 14th and
6: Oak. A man creating a disturbance. That is all.
8: Read a thing. That surplus store, give me a bum set. That's what they give me a bum.
9: Well, now, if they sold you a set that can only get policemen, they should have come right out flat-footed and said so.
8: Don't worry, kiddo. I'll get it. I'll get it. Don't you worry. Just got to go by this diagram, that's all. Simple as ABC. If NBC, will pardon the reference. (laughs) And if they give me Hail Columbia, I'll give it right back to them, which will make it mutual. (laughs) I'll have this thing fixed before...
9: Oh, it's Mr. Williams, the weatherman, McGee. Come right in, Mr. Williams.
8: Thank you, Mrs. McGee. Hello, McGee. Hi.
5: Ah, rewiring a radio, I see. May I help? You know how
8: to wire a radio, Foggy?
5: Yes, yes, I do. Mm -hmm. In fact, when I was in college, I built a wireless set with which I could get the British broadcasting company any time I liked.
9: Heavenly days, you got Britain? Where did you go to college, Mr. Williams? Oxford. (laughs) I
4: knew
8: you had a streak of British in you, Foggy. I knew it just the other day. Remember when I was sorting a bunch of clothes we were sending to the church? Uh, Yes.
9: Uh, How did you know he was British from that, McGee? Maybe
8: you didn't notice, kiddo, but I said something about the church will be glad to get this stuff. And the minute I says Churchill, Foggy leaps up and salutes.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, incidentally,
8: they really have some bad fogs over there, don't they, Foggy? Oh, they do indeed. Yes, I was walking through Piccadilly one night. Walking through it? You mean that stuff they sprinkle on a hot dog you were walking through? <laughs> I
9: no, no, dearie. He said Piccadilly, not Piccadilly. Piccadilly is the district in London.
8: Oh, oh, yeah, Piccadilly, yes.
4: Thank you. Mr. <laughs>
5: <coughs> anyway, I was walking through Piccadilly one night with some relish, I might
4: add. <laughs> <laughs> and a
5: sudden fog came up. In ten minutes, it was so thick that Big Ben did not sound nine o'clock until almost 10.30. (laughs)
4: The,
5: The sound could not penetrate the fog until it cleared slightly.
4: Mm-hmm.
8: <laughs> well, what's the forecast for a wistful
4: <laughs>
8: You heard anything?
5: Yes, yes, I just got word this morning that we may expect a cold <clears throat> wave here in July In
9: July, Mr. Oh. Williams, a cold wave?
5: Yes, yes, Mrs. Williams has a sister in the Navy She's coming home from Alaska in July According to her letter, she's the coldest wave that ever wore a white cap
4: <laughs>
8: Well, good day, probably Ah, uh, back to work, McGee Every minute you waste is a hunk of 20 million bucks I gotta adjust this condenser
9: What in the world is a condenser, McGee?
8: Well, you see, when a radio shoots an electrical impulse Or wave out through the chloroform Ether Yes, ether a wave or an impulse Hello. It goes out into the form of a long wave or a superheterodyne. see oh. So when it hits the receiving set It passes through a condenser which squeezes it into a short wave
4: <laughs>
8: Thus the Gridley. Which Hello Molly. Hi, pal.
9: <laughs> Hello, Mr. Wilcox.
8: Hi, Junior. Glad you came in, boy. You were a little late. Do you see this little radio? <laughs> Can't come in till the door opens. <laughs> Little radio yes I see the little radio
9: well he's got a great invention <laughs> mr. Wilcox he really has yeah
8: a great invention is a pretty mild term for this radio kiddo this will be the greatest step forward in the automotive industry since a girl's knees were made safe by putting the gear shift on the steering wheel <laughs>
4: well
8: what is it pal what is it
9: well oh, go and tell him Gary I'm kind of excited about this myself mr. Wilcox well here's the gimmick
8: Omaha. It's a car radio, you Uh see. But removable. You yank it out of the car, turn it on the dry cell batteries, and zingo, you got a portable radio you can take any place. Hmm. The McGee Carnival radio. You slap it back into the car, lock it in place, and you got a car radio. And if there's some programs you want to miss, leave it at home and you got an extra glove compartment. (laughs) Hal, it's wonderful.
6: Thank you. I think so. Well, I can just picture the day when I'm riding along with my car radio on. I hear a well modulated voice say, Ladies, do you have spots before your eyes? Spots that the children have tracked in on your kitchen floor. Oh,
9: but McGee, it means. Then I isn't... park
6: my car, yank the radio out, and the voice continues as I carry it toward my office. <laughs> Do you suffer from worn and faded linoleum? Uh, look, Junior, that ain't what I was. Try coat, I can hear the voice saying, Johnson's self polishing coat What
9: other kind is there?
6: Yes, the voice will be saying, as I carry my McGee portable radio into my office. Uh, look, Johnson's self polishing coat will banish <laughs> that scuffed and seedy look from your faithful old linoleum and help to restore its pristine light Master and yeah, but what that kind No of... rubbing, no buffing. Yeah. Pour a little out, spread it around in twenty minutes or less.
8: Look, You've got... look, waxy. Yes, Carnival. Uh, I mean, pal. <laughs> I'm going to make a million dollars on this thing, Christine. How'd you like to be my private secretary? Quick, Junior. Yes or no? I got to have men around me who can make decisions. Okay. No.
9: Oh, <laughs> Mr. Wilcox, what an opportunity you have passed up.
8: I'll say. Yeah.
6: Look, pal. When you've been in business as long as SCJNC, Inc., of Racine Wiss, ask me again. As the airmail pilot said when his motor conked out over Mount Whitney at 3 a.m., no more fly-by-night stuff for me. Sorry, chum. So long,
8: Molly. Oh, he thinks this is fly-by-night stuff, does he? Hand me that pair of pliers, Molly. By George, if Fritz Chrysler don't order one of these for every one of his nineteen forty-nine models, Alfie. Uh, be... deary. Hmm.
9: Fritz Chrysler is a violinist.
8: Yeah. Well, if he plays along with me, he can have his own orchestra.
9: <laughs> now
8: let me see. <coughs> ah, there I got it. Just like the diagram says. Turn it on, kiddo. All
9: right. And yeah. don't think I don't appreciate the honor, McGee.
8: There it is. WVPD.
6: WVPD. Hey. Calling car right. 15 Go to 14th and Oak.
8: A man creating a disturbance. That is all. Ah, now. Hand me that diagram again.
9: I can't. It's printed on the radio.
8: Oh, my gosh, it is, isn't it? Well, then what have I been using for a diagram?
9: Well, I don't know, unless... What's that paper under your elbow?
8: That? That's a sample of the wallpaper I was going to get, the but... <coughs> Say... That does look kind of like a radio diagram at that, don't it? (laughs) Oh, well, as I always said, one setback don't make a rocking chair. (laughs) Now then, where's my screwdriver?
9: Come in. Oh, hello, Mr. Oldtimer. Hello there, kid. Hi, Oldtimer.
8: If I hook the amplifier tube to the power output... What you
9: doing this time, Johnny? Breaking up What? (laughs) <laughs> well, he's rebuilding a radio, mister Oldtimer.
8: Yeah, I'm practically inventing a new radio, Old-Timer McGee's Carnival Radio, combination car and portable
11: Is that so, Johnny? Yeah I love radios I remember when I was just a young fella My mama said she liked to have a crystal set for her birthday So I bought her one. A crystal set? Yep, necklace and four
4: earrings. (laughs) Four
11: earrings? Mama had awful big ears. We made quite a celebration out of Mama's birthday that year, though. Papa said he was going right downtown and get her a big surprise.
9: I love
8: surprises.
11: Yes, sir. And sure enough, in a couple of hours, her surprise come. Addressed to Mama with a big tag on it. Took four men to carry it in the house.
8: What was it? Papa?
11: (laughs) Papa? Oh. Of course, I've watched radio grow up, kids When I was a youngster, radio hadn't even been invented yet Yeah,
8: when you were a youngster, they hadn't even invented people
11: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty good, Johnny But uh, that ain't the way I heard it <laughs> The way I hear it, a uh, farmer says to his wife, see, he says You were talking in your sleep last night about Wallace starting a third party No, I wasn't, says the farmer's wife I just heard the chickens raising a ruckus, so I rears up and says, Well, I wonder what's got into our Henry. Well, so long, kids. The
6: King's Man and I'm a-comin' a-courtin' Cora
12: Bell. I'm
7: a-comin' a-courtin' Cora Bell got a 40 clover stuck in my lapel with a horseshoe in my pocket And a rabbit's foot as well I'm a common, a courtin' Coral Bell Gotta keep up my courage, Coral Bell Gotta speak up to your pappy for a spell I'm gonna mention my intention Of a honeymoon hotel I'm a common, a courtin' Coral Bell Oh, it's giddy-up, giddy-up, Sylvester, don't you dare to stop. Cause underneath, this double pressure beats a heart that's about to pop. I'm a craving caressing corabel I'm a counting on some kissing in the dell. Let it thunder, let it lightning, let the rain come down pell-mell. I'm a comin', a courtin' corabel. Courtin' Corabell.
11: Corabelle Corabel. hey, Giddy-app,
7: shilly <laughs> Got a barley clover and a horseshoe in my pocket and a wishbone As well, cause I gotta be lucky when I come a-courtin' Corabelle So it's Giddy-app hi Sylvester giddy don't stop Cause underneath this double breast There is a heart that's going Clip-pop, clippity-clop, clip-pop flippity-flop, hippity-hop, hippity-hop Hippity-hop, about to pop I'm caravin' caressin' a carabell Caress me, bell you, you know you got, got me counting countin on a lot of kissing kissin in, in the dell Over yonder's in the dell Let it thunder And let it lightning, let it rain now mell I'm a common courtin', courtin here, regardless of the weather <laughs> do tell me I can be your steady fellow, won't you? <laughs>
8: She's too fat for me She's too fat
9: How's the radio coming along now, McGee? Got it rewired yet?
8: I was just about to try it out, kiddo Listen to this now WVPD,
9: WVPD Calling
8: Uh, car That ain't quite it yet But I got an even greater idea than I had originally
9: Doesn't seem possible
8: It is, though Look, I can already get shortwave on this thing On account of all police calls are on shortwave
9: I thought police calls were all on a crime wave no <laughs>
8: No, that's just newspaper talk <clears throat> Now then, it's a simple matter if we get local shortwave to get foreign shortwave Catch on to it? So, when I get this baby finished, we'll have a portable car radio that'll get any broadcast in the world Overseas, even
9: Heavenly days Yeah,
8: now then, let me see this diagram again As soon as I fix the frequency
9: How did you break that?
8: <laughs> break what?
9: the frequency.
8: I didn't break it. Well, you must have. Huh? It was fixed
9: when you got it?
8: No. <laughs> see
9: what it says down the corner here? It says model B fixed frequency receiver.
8: Yeah, but the... So
9: if it was fixed when you got it, you must have No,
8: done no, no, no. Let me explain, kids. All right. A fixed frequency set means a set that the set frequency is fixed, you see. Some of the fixed frequency sets are set so the frequency is frequently fixed for a fixed frequency. <laughs> Or, in other words, if the frequency is too frequent, then the frequency you fix has to be fixed for an infrequent frequency, which is fixed.
9: Well, good.
8: Yeah.
9: Now tell me about television.
8: (laughs) (laughs) Well, television is an entirely different frequency. You see? Come in. Hmm.
9: Oh, it's Dr. Gamble, McGee. Hello, doctor. Hello,
8: my dear. Hello, dipper mouth. (laughs) Hi, Pullman.
9: Coleman, dear? Yeah, he's
8: the guy people are always calling up for birth reservations
13: <laughs> You will excuse me, Button Beezer, if I fail to explode with mirth hmm. That is a very weary bit of whimsy as far as I'm concerned But why are you taking your radio apart? A peanut tube is not edible, you know
8: Don't try to tell me anything about radios, you lumpy old-ass affinity bag <laughs> I was wiring up 20 tube super when you were still trying to pick up your own pulse beat on your cheap graduation staff
4: at school <laughs>
9: <laughs> Oh, he really has a wonderful invention for radio, Doctor Tell him about it, McGee yeah. I'm sure the doctor can keep a secret
13: Well, if I can, I'm in the wrong business, my dear I've heard more confidential whispers in my time
8: than a speakeasy peephole laughter Well, briefly, Doctor, I'm about to go into the manufacturing business, McGee's Carnival Radio, combination of car and portable. Radio for your car, then you can unhook, lift
11: it out, and carry it around with you.
13: You know, it hurts me to say this, Buster, but for once I think you have a
8: sensible idea. You betcha. Yes, you better drop in and see me tomorrow. This is not normal. (laughs) Not only is it a combination car and portable radio, my fat friend, but the McGee Carnival will be able to get foreign broadcasts from overseas. Just as soon as I make a few more adjustments here, huh? Flyers? Flyers. Screwdriver. Screwdriver. Tire tape. Can't find it. Don't need it. <laughs> and I've seen it. Aha! Well,
9: yeah. do you think you found the trouble, dearie? Yeah. <laughs> you see, Doctor, he had a little difficulty with it before. All he could get was the Whistle Vista police broadcast.
13: Oh, see if you can get Romania, McGee.
8: I want to see why King Michael quit. <laughs> I can tell you that, Patso. They twisted his army.
4: <laughs>
8: well, she's all hooked up, kids. Now wait and see what I get this time. Ah, oh, that's Préfecture
7: de Paris, Préfecture de Paris. Ici, donnez-moi bicyclette 15. My
8: gosh, did you hear that?
7: We got Spain. That was Spanish. <laughs>
8: that was
13: French, stupid. Huh? And keep quiet. I studied medicine at the Sorbonne in Paris. Alert,
7: right? alert, Ici, donnez-moi bicyclette 15. Au coin de la rue de la Paix et de la rue du Chêne. Hmm? il y a un homme qui fait du scandale. C'est tout. Fini.
13: Was it really Paris, Doc? Was it really Paris? What did he
9: say, Doctor? What did yes, he say? Yes, it
13: was Paris, well, all right. What did he say? And as near as I can translate it, he said, Paris police calling Bicycle 15 yeah. go to the corner of Rue de la Paix and Oak. A man is creating a disturbance.
4: <laughs>
13: that is all.
9: That is enough. That is too much. <laughs>
6: If you heard someone say, my floors haven't been washed in 17 years, you'd be surprised only if you didn't know about Johnson's Liquid Cleaning and Polishing Wax. Bright gleaming floors without tiresome scrubbing is the standard result if you use Johnson's Liquid Wax. You see, Johnson's Liquid Wax is more than just a wax. It contains an effective dry cleaning ingredient which quickly removes dirt and leaves floors immaculately clean and thoroughly waxed. You merely apply, then buff lightly. No water, no brush, no hands and knees scrubbing. This simple cleaning method leaves your floors glowing and gleaming. After the first application, all you need to do is touch up the heavy traffic spots whenever necessary. Your floors will stay perfectly beautiful longer. They'll never be exposed to water that cracks and warps wood flooring. Forget tiresome, messy scrubbing. Remember Johnson's Liquid Wax to bring out the beauty of your home.
4: Look on the bright side, shine up
7: the right side, bring out the beauty of the home.
8: Ladies and gentlemen, the United States Marines have announced the formation of a post-war reserve force, the Citizen Marine Corps.
9: These hometown Marines will remain civilians and work at their civilian jobs. But in their spare time, they'll wear Marine uniforms and learn to handle Marine equipment.
8: Men who enroll will be given Marine training at regular weekly meetings and at two weeks of summer camp each year. And all of this on salary. So if you're between the ages of 17 and 32, contact your nearest Marine Corps office all right, to Division of Reserve, Marine Corps, Washington, D.C. Good night.
9: Good night, all.
6: The makers of Johnson's Wax Products, Racine, Wisconsin, bring you Fibber, McGee, and Molly every Tuesday night. Be with us again next week, won't you? Good night. <laughs>
14: This is NBC, the national broadcasting company.
4: Now it's our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden.
2: have flourished behind the ivy-covered walls of an institution of learning. But to our Miss Brooks, who teaches English at Madison High School, romance is quite a problem, especially when the object of her attention doesn't seem to return her affection.
15: It isn't that Mr. Boynton doesn't return my affection. It's just that he never even borrows it. <laughs> <laughs> Last Friday morning at breakfast, I told my landlady of my latest disappointment. Can you imagine, Mrs. Davis, just as we were leaving school yesterday, he broke our date for this afternoon. Oh, that's too bad, Connie. Did he give any reason? Oh, just some vague excuse about having to go down to the biology supply house. What burns me up is the fact that I had such great plans. It was to be such an exciting day. Really? Where were you and Mr. Boynton going on your date? To the zoo. (laughs) (laughs) That's the one place that might give him the right idea. What do you mean, Connie? In this weather, you should see those animals huddled together. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, I might as well forget about it. Maybe you can get Mr. Boynton to take you to the zoo tomorrow, Connie. Not a chance, Mrs. Davis. There's a basketball game at school tomorrow, and you know what a fan Mr. Boynton is. He wouldn't miss that game for anybody. Of course, he told me that I could tag along if I wanted to. If you'll pardon
16: me for saying so, Connie. I think you've just hit upon the root of all your difficulty. Mr. Boynton takes you too much for granted. Do you really think so? Definitely. All he has to do is pucker up and whistle, and you're right there. All
15: he has to do is pucker up, and I'm right there. (laughs) Uh, But you may have something, Mrs. Davis. He does sort of take me for granted. Of course he does.
16: Now, the best way to arouse him, though, would be to have somebody else interested in you. Almost anybody would do. It's the old dog-in-the-manger theory. Well, there's a
15: collie down the block that's crazy about me. I mean a man, Connie.
16: If you could just get some man interested in you.
15: For your information, Mrs. Davis, Mr. Donnelly is vitally interested in me right now. Mr. Donnelly? The credit manager of Sherry's department store. Of course, I don't hear from him until the first of the month. I'm serious, Connie. If you don't have another man on
16: the string, you've just got to be more reserved with Mr. Boynton. You're absolutely right.
15: If I act more aloof, he may become more attentive. It's worth a try, anyway. It certainly is, dear. Then I'll do it. From now on, I'll have a new attitude. I'll be polite, but withdrawn. Courteous, but cool. Would you answer the
16: phone, please, dear? I've got to clear away these dishes. All right, Mrs. Davis. Well, hello, Mr.
15: Boyney. It's, it's me, Miss Brooks. How nice to hear from you so early in the morning. Is there something you wanted? Something I can do for you? Anything? Is there? Huh? Mm-hmm. Anything? Oh.
16: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. the whole yeah. life of his law. Please, please, David, clear away the dishes. Ms. Brooks, as you know, I usually walk to school, but I've just discovered that my alarm clock is quite slow. And that isn't all. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, so what can I do to help? Well, you can stop by and get me when water nests calls for you. Otherwise, I'll be late. On this
15: back seat, all loaded with sports equipment and jobs, so we'll probably have to squeeze into the front together. You don't have to sell me. We'll pick you up. Tonight.
2: I'm sorry to give me this lift, Walter. Yeah, as a loyal son
17: of Madison, it's a privilege to serve my faculty. Of the faculty is Miss Brooks and yourself, Mr. Boynton. Well said, oh loyal son. I have always contended that a pupil cannot be on too friendly a footing with his instructors, especially when his tests start this week. Yeah, please, Miss Brooks, let's not talk shop. Hey, what do you think of our basketball team's chances against Oakmont tomorrow, Mr. Boynton?
2: Well, frankly, Walter, I don't know much about the Oakmont team.
17: The big game with Clay City's coming up in a few weeks, and the team has got to go into that with some confidence.
2: Well, that's a big problem, I'm afraid. We've lost 10 straight, haven't we?
17: Yes, sir. That is, we've lost 10 straight this year. Altogether, we've run our losing streak up to 39. (laughs)
4: 39.
15: 39. It would be more, but we tied the last game of 1952 (laughs) Uh, About tomorrow, Mr. I only wish we could get some kind of a a line on this Oakmont team
17: (laughs) So far, all we know is that it's the first season they've let a team go out of town for a game
2: Well, Oakmont's quite a distance away, isn't it?
17: Well, a couple hundred miles, I guess Harriet Conklin told me that her dad invited them right after he read that they've lost 11 games in a row (laughs) Holy cow, while I was chattering about the ball game, I must have slowed the car down Well, we're two minutes late.
2: Gosh, I hope Mr. Conklin is busy in his office.
15: Well, we can find out soon enough. Harriet's just going in now. Come on, we'll go in with her. Hey, Harriet, wait up a minute. Oh, hi, Walter. Hello, Miss Brooks, Mr. Boynton. Uh, Tell me, Harriet, is your dad safely in his office? Well, he should be. He left home quite early this morning.
2: Well, let's not take any chances. I suggest we file in quietly, one at a time.
9: My goodness, just because we're a few minutes late is no reason to get so panicky. Well, I know Daddy's pretty strict sometimes, but he's not an ogre.
15: Quiet, everybody. We're passing his cave now.
4: (laughs)
9: Golly, we're all human. Daddy knows that. Now, there's no necessity for everybody
15: being so jumpy and nervous.
12: Good morning, folks.
15: (laughs) I'm glad you're not jumpy and nervous, Harriet. Can I put you down now? We would have been here on time, Mr. Conklin, Uh, but What's
12: a little time among friends? Uh, Will you come into my office? Said the spider to the flies.
15: Uh, The reason we're late, Mr. Conklin... Everyone's
12: late once in a while. We're only human after all. Come on into the office and sit down, please. There we are. Now we can chat comfortably. Folks, I have a favor to ask of you.
15: I never would have guessed it.
12: <laughs> what can we do for you, Mr. Conklin?
15: Name it, and it's
17: yours, O beloved principal. Ours not to reason why. Ours but to do. Down,
12: boy.
4: <laughs> Now, as
12: you know, Oakmont is 200 miles from here. As you also know, the last basketball game our team won occurred in 1952.
15: And a thrilling victory it was. Our opponent's bus was caught in a blizzard and we won by default.
4: <laughs> exactly.
12: And Jason Brill, Clay said his obnoxious principal, has never let me forget it. That's why I scanned the records very carefully and chose the Oakmont team as our next opponent.
17: What a master stroke! What a worthy opponent.
12: What a losing streak. Unfortunately, they have no budget in their athletic fund, which provides for expenses when the team is away from home. But I took the liberty of wiring their coach that they would have a place to stay overnight. Where? With you.
15: Huh? Oh,
12: not, not you alone, Miss Brooks. They'll be billeted with those of our faculty and student body who have the true school spirit and an unshakable pride in the achievements of Madison's athletes. Well,
17: I'll take a couple of the guys. We can put up cots in my room. Uh,
12: To you, Miss Brooks will go the honor of
2: playing hostess to the coach of the team, Billy Shaw.
15: Billy Shaw?
2: Well, just a moment, Mr. Conklin. In the interest of propriety, you think Miss Brooks should harbor a basketball coach under her roof?
12: Well, Mrs. Davis will be there, won't she? And I happen to know that they have a spare room.
15: Uh, Mr. Conklin, did you say the coach's name is Billy Shaw?
12: That's right.
15: Does he spell Shaw with one H?
12: (laughs) I imagine so.
15: (laughs) Well, fancy that. My old boyfriend has come home to roost. (laughs) Your boyfriend? Oh, we went together for four years during high school. We've never stopped corresponding, even though he moved up to Oakmont to coach this team. Well, this is what I call a romantic coincidence. Yeah, a mighty sudden one, too.
2: You never mentioned this Billy Shaw to me, Miss Brooks.
15: You never asked me about him.
2: If I may
12: shunt Dan Cupid to one side for just a moment, I'd like to inform you that their train arrives at noon. Be sure to get home in time to greet your old flame, Miss Brooks.
15: Oh, good old Billy. He's been after me since we were kids. Oh, but one thing, Mr. Conklin, how will he know he's to come to my place?
12: I've advised him of that already, Miss Brooks. You see, I had a feeling you'd cooperate, if I may say so myself. Very few principals enjoy the easygoing, democratic relationship with their faculty that I do.
15: You're so right. (laughs) It gives me such a sense of security. Ever since I've known you, I've had the feeling that you'd never sell me to another master, Sahib. (laughs) At lunchtime, I hurried home to await the arrival of Billy Shaw, Oakmont's basketball coach and my imaginary ex-sweetheart. Mrs. Davis didn't mind having an extra lodger at all. In fact, when I told her how Mr. Boynton had reacted to the suggestion, she was delighted. That's wonderful, Connie. This is just what you needed to shake Mr. Boynton's complacency. Wouldn't it be great if the Oakmont coach turned out to be tall, dark, and handsome and gets interested in me himself? That would make Mr. Boynton sit up and take notice. If the coach is tall enough,
16: dark enough, handsome enough, and interested enough, who needs Mr. Boynton? (laughs) Now I'm going to put some towels in the spare room. Oh, don't go, Mrs. Davis. That must be Mr. Shaw. Well, let him in, Connie. Don't be nervous. I just know that you two are going to have a long and wonderful
15: life together. Well, if it's all the same to you, Mrs. Davis, I'll take a look at his face first. (coughs) Hello. Miss Brooks in? I'm Miss Brooks. Oh, I'm so glad to know you. Mr. Conklin wired me to come here directly from the station. I'm Billy Shaw. (laughs) I can get up by myself. This scatter rug is so slippery. So, you're oh, Billy Shaw. Of course. Miss Brooks, you were
17: expecting me, weren't
15: you? Yes, yes I was, but in a slightly different shape. Well, I know I'm a rather tall person. Oh, but... uh, that's not the difference I had in mind. Uh, come in, won't you? Put down your bag, Miss Shaw, or is it Mrs. Shaw? Miss, I'm single. So am I, more than ever.
4: <laughs> well, please forgive me if I
15: don't seem to be making much sense, but I'm still quite surprised. Surprised? <laughs> Due to circumstances beyond your control, I was expecting a male, Billy Shaw. What made you think I'd be a man, Miss Brooks? After all, there are very few men coaching girls' basketball teams. <laughs> Girls? Basketball teams? Yes, Oakmont is a girls' school But, Miss Shaw, how did you happen to accept Mr. Conklin's invitation to play Madison? Well, frankly, Miss Brooks, our team hasn't been doing at all well But when I looked up Madison's record, I said to myself Billy, this is one team you're a cinch to
4: beat (laughs) Should be a very
15: interesting game Well, the room's all ready, Connie, and who's this? This, Mrs. Davis, is the coach of the Oakmont basketball team. Meet Billy Shaw.
16: <laughs>
15: Mrs. Davis! Oh, darn
16: this scatter rug. <laughs> I don't mean to be inhospitable, Miss Shaw, but it's just that we didn't expect such a lady like gentleman.
15: That's that first name of mine, I guess.
16: But isn't it a bit unusual for a lady to be coaching a basketball team?
15: Not a girl's basketball team. Oakmont is a girl's school. While you're explaining, Miss Brooks, would you mind if I went to my room? It's been quite a long trip. Oh, how thoughtless of me.
16: Whatever you are, you're entitled to be tired.
17: <laughs>
15: Come, I'll take you to your room. Don't bother. Just tell me where it is. It's right down the hall. How far? Three dribbles and a foul shot. I'd help you get straightened out, Miss Shaw, but I've got to get back to school for my afternoon classes. I understand, Miss Brooks. I'll probably see you later on. Thanks for everything.
16: I'll give you a hand as soon as I see Connie off to school. Come on, dear. You'd better hurry or you'll be late.
15: But, Mrs. Davis, how can I face Mr. Boynton? I told him that Billy Shaw was an old boyfriend of mine. Please, Connie, be calm. How can I be calm? What'll I do if Mr. Boynton finds out that not only is Billy Shaw not an old boyfriend, but isn't even an old boy? <laughs> today, boys and girls. See you
7: tomorrow.
17: Well, that's it, Oh, Miss Brooks, may I see you for a minute? What is it, Walter? I just heard a most alarming rumor, that the Oakmont basketball team is composed exclusively of girls. I don't know how exclusive they are, but they're girls, all right. Miss Brooks, what's your ex-sweetheart doing coaching a girls team?
15: My ex-sweetheart? Oh, you mean Billy Shaw. Well, a lot of things have happened since I saw Billy...
4: He hasn't
17: altered his opinion of you, has he? His attitude's the same, isn't it? I mean... Well, he hasn't changed, has he?
15: Overall, he's changed all over. (laughs) Billy Shaw is a woman. Look, Walter, this is a rather personal matter, but when I said the Oakmont coach was an old boyfriend, I did it for a definite reason. I know, and if I got
17: a bulletin for you, Miss Brooks, your definite reason's coming over to your house tonight. What? Before he left for the biology supply house, Mr. Boynton told me to tell you. He said he didn't want to bother you while you were
15: in your class. Oh, but this is awful, Walter. He'll find out that Billy is a woman. Well, he doesn't have to. All you've got to do is get her out of the way. But she's staying with us,
17: sleeping over. Well, then make her go to sleep right after dinner. Use the old power of suggestion. If you and Mrs. Davis act sleepy enough, maybe she'll fold early.
15: Well, it's worth a try, I guess. But believe me, Walter, if she doesn't fold early, I will. <laughs> my fictitious sweetheart, Billy Shaw, turned out to be a woman instead of a man, my hoax seemed destined to fail. Since Mr. Boynton was due over that evening, discovery was almost certain, unless Mrs. Davis and I could persuade Billy to retire before he arrived. The opportunity came as we were finishing dinner. Ah, that was a lovely dinner, Mrs. Davis. I enjoyed every bit of it. Oh, it was good, Mrs. Davis. Well... Let's get to bed. (laughs) To bed? Of course. Oh,
16: I was so sleepy, I could hardly finish my dessert. Uh, Me neither, Connie. And it's no wonder. Do you realize it's 8.30 already?
15: (laughs) No. You always go to bed at 8.30? Only when we have company. (laughs) We usually hit the sack about 7.45. Except weekends, of course. Then we like to turn in early. Well, I'll stack the dishes, Mrs. Davis, if you'll start turning out the lights. Just a minute. Do you mind if I sit up in the living room and read for a while? I'm still wide awake. Wide awake? What is it, coffee nerves? (laughs) No, I'm just not sleepy. Uh,
16: Perhaps if I took a little walk. Wonderful. A great idea. Why don't you just slip
15: through the back door? Wait, I'll grease it for you. I'll open it for you. That's all right. I'll just wander through your garden and stroll around town. Take a nice long stroll. We'll leave a light for you on the porch. Thanks, Miss Brooks. See you in the morning. Well, she's out of the way. Yes, indeed. That's one down and one to go. What?
16: Oh, oh, you mean me. I'll just clear away these dishes and go into my sitting room for a good long nip.
15: Never mind the dishes, Mrs. Davis. That must be Mr. Boynton. Please go into your sitting room right now. I'll let him in. Mm -mm. All right, Connie,
16: I'll be out of the way in a jiffy.
15: I'll be right there, Mr. Boynton. It's Mr. Boynton. Well. Oh, this is a surprise. Surprise? <laughs> you knew it was I before you opened the door, Miss Brooks. That was just a lucky guess. <laughs> Come on in, Mr. Boynton.
2: I dropped by for two reasons, Miss Brooks. The first, to explain about breaking our date this afternoon. It was vital that I go downtown to the supply house.
15: Oh, that's all right. I was kept pretty busy today myself.
2: <laughs> the second reason was to help you welcome the Oakmont basketball coach.
15: Bill? Oh, I'm afraid that's impossible, Mr. Boynton. Why?
2: He's here, isn't he?
15: Oh, yes, he's here, all right. I've been entertaining him in Mrs. Davis's sitting room, but he doesn't want to see anybody else this evening. You see, he's very shy. He's shy? Never heard of it, huh? <laughs> he's so shy that he didn't even want Mrs. Davis around while he and I were together. Catch on?
2: You mean you're in this house alone with Billy Shaw?
15: Ain't I wicked? <laughs> Excuse me a minute, Mr. Boynton. I've got to see if Billy wants anything. I'll just be a minute. Uh, But, Miss Brooks... Uh, Just wait in the hall, Mr. Boynton. I'll come back and see you to the door. Oh, how wonderful it is to see you again, my dear. But
16: you just left
15: me, Connie. Quiet, Mrs. Davis. (laughs) Mr. Boynton's out in the hall. I want him to think Billy's in here. An old school chum dropped by Billy, but I'm sure he won't stay very long. Then I'll come right back to you. (laughs) What? What? Oh, you bad boy. (laughs) Hand
16: me the scissors, please, Connie.
15: Oh, but you mustn't, you really mustn't say things like that. (laughs) What do you want me to do, bite this yarn off? (laughs) I'm going now, Billy, but it'll just be for a moment. Are you nice and comfy? Good. Au revoir, mon cher. (laughs) Now, as I was saying, Mr. Boynton, Mr. Boynton, Where are you?
2: Oh, hi, Miss Brooks. While you were in with your friend, I went out to the kitchen for a drink of water.
15: Oh, fine. Well, here we go again. Uh, Did you call me, Billy? I didn't hear anything. You're not listening right. (laughs) Please wait right here, Mr. Boynton. I'll just be a moment. It's just an old school chum, dear. You can meet him tomorrow. Is there anything I can get for you, Bill? Just the scissors, please. (laughs) lips are all fuzzy from this yarn. <laughs> <laughs> Please, Mrs. Davis, you're not cooperating. Oh, now, Billy, you mustn't. You haven't changed a bit, you devil. <laughs> of course I feel the same way I used to, but, Billy, we mustn't. We shouldn't. <laughs> no, I will not sit down on the couch with you. Oh, come on, slip us a kiss. <laughs> What's that, Bill? For me? Oh, but it's too beautiful. A platinum wristwatch with ruby hands and emerald numbers. <laughs> oh, wait one moment, dearest. I'll say goodnight to my school chum. Now, I don't like to rush you, Mr. Boynton. Well, I was I'm...
2: just about to leave, Miss mm-hmm. Brooks. I, uh, I couldn't help overhearing some of your conversation.
15: Just some of it? I mean, you're not peeved, are you, Mr. Boynton?
2: Oh, well, certainly not. We didn't have any date for tonight.
15: I decided to turn in early because. Oh, I didn't know you had company, Miss Brooks. Oh, that's all right. Good night. And such distinguished looking company. Your door is the second one on the right. Now, if you'll follow me down the hall, Mr. Boynton.
2: Please, Miss Brooks, aren't you being a bit impolite? My name is Philip Boynton, Miss. uh... I'm Billy Shaw.
15: (laughs) Beg (laughs) your pardon? I'm Billy Shaw. I coach the Oakmont basketball team. You coach the Oakmont basketball team? (laughs) (laughs) Miss Brooks,
2: are you all right?
15: I'm fine. Once you crawl under these scatter rugs, they're very comfortable.
2: Now, well, here's the star of our show, Eve Arden.
15: And so, I fouled myself right out of the game, and Coach Billy Shaw is still in there making points. What a headache.
4: Our Ms. Brooks, starring Eve Arden. last was produced and directed by Larry
2: Burns, Written by Arthur Oldsburg and Al Lewis, with the music of Lud Gluskin. Mr. Conklin was played by Gail Gordon. Others in tonight's cast were Jane Morgan, Dick Crenna, Bob Rockwell, Gloria McMillan, and D.J. Thompson.
4: Ladies and
14: gentlemen, the secret word tonight is dress. D-R-E-S-S. Really? You bet your life. The DeSoto Plymouth Dealers of America present Groucho Marx in You Bet Your Life, a comedy quiz series produced and transcribed from Hollywood. And here he is, the one, the only.
18: Groucho! Why doesn't he give up? Oh, that's me, Groucho Marx. Groucho <laughs> Marx. Well, here I am again with $2,000 for one of our couples. George Fannerman, who's face to try
14: for? It. We invited some Scotch war brides to the program tonight, along with their husbands. And just before we went on the air, our studio audience selected Mr. and Mrs. Clarence Parsons. And here they are. Folks, meet
18: Grotto Marks. Well, welcome, Scotties, for the DeSoto Plymouth dealers. And if you say the secret word, you'll win $100 in cash immediately. It's a common word, something you see every day. Uh, what is your name? Nan Parsons, huh? Eh?
19: Mm-hmm.
18: You're a Scotch war bride, huh? Eh? That's right. Uh, how old are you? Twenty-five. Uh, Twenty-five? Yes. Huh? Twenty-five-year-old Scotch. Huh? Well, you look smooth and mellow. In there. And if you ever need a chaser, give me a ring sometime. You're the uh, war bride's husband? Uh?
4: Yeah. Yes, sir.
17: Clarence
18: uh, Parsons. Uh? That's right. uh, how old are you, Clarence?
17: Twenty-nine,
18: sir. Uh, are you Scotch,
17: too? No, I'm half English and half
18: Irish. Half and half. Blended, eh? (laughs) Where are you from, Clarence? Tulsa, Oklahoma. And what part of Scotland are you from, uh, Nan? I'm from Wishaw. Wishaw? Wishaw, Scotland. Oh, I know that song. When you wish upon a star. (laughs) Is that the the theme song of the village?
19: No, no, it isn't. Is it,
18: uh, for a chick is like the bloomer, they hear that her neck was like the swan. (laughs) Her face,
20: it was the fairest I had ever looked upon. Just as sure as my name is John. When I get back again to Bonnie, Scotland.
18: <laughs> that was one of the things that contributed towards Vaudible's death.
4: <laughs>
18: how, how long have you two been married?
2: Six
19: years.
18: Nan, how long have you been oh, married?
19: Six years. <laughs>
18: What sort of work do you do, Clarence?
17: I'm a manager of uh, Carnation's demonstration store here in Los Angeles. It's Carnation Ice Cream Company.
18: Oh, and what do you demonstrate?
17: The uh, dispensing of ice cream, Sundays, malts.
18: You don't milk any cows in the window, right?
17: <laughs> yeah, not least.
18: What were you doing when you met uh, Butterscotch here? Uh...
17: I was with uh, Lockheed uh, attached to the 8th Air Force in, in Ireland at the time. I was on leave on vacation when I met
18: him. How did you trap this fellow, Ann? Uh, in... I'm curious about it. what method does a Halen lassie use?
17: Oh. <laughs>
4: oh
19: I uh think the uh oh we usually uh They're
4: much more
18: <laughs> Well there must be more to it than that, huh? <laughs>
4: you uh apparently
18: worked very fast, didn't you? <laughs> now?
4: I guess so,
19: but ordinarily, no, they uh, why,
18: why did you wait
19: four years.
18: You usually, you usually wait four years? Yes, huh Why do you wait so long? Oh, Does it take yeah. the groom that long before he'll cough up the two bucks with a license? I
4: think you uh, trust
18: them. What's that? It
19: takes that long to trust him.
18: It takes four years before you know whether you can trust him? <laughs> it takes longer than that, kid, but you just don't realize it. <laughs> You don't seem to have much of an accent, man. I thought all Scotch girls talked about the broad brick moonlich nick, Well, I... Why I is mean... it you don't have a bar? Not even an errand bar, I... you know. that be treason, make the most of it, eh?
19: <laughs> I did have a, an accent when I come over at first, but I lost it.
18: You lost it, eh? Well, I'm, I'm sorry you did, because I think it's very charming, the Scotch accent. I'm crazy about it. Are there any other Scotch war brides that you visit occasionally, man?
19: Yes, my sister.
18: Do you have any relatives uh, over here beside your sister? Uh, my
19: in-laws, and uh, my uh, closest relatives are overseas in Scotland.
18: Your close relatives are in Scotland, huh? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
4: they're going
18: to be crazy about that crack, Nan.
4: <laughs> are, are the Scots
18: really thrifty, Nan, or is that just a kind of a legend, huh?
19: Oh, they're, they're every Scot is as thrifty as you are. <laughs>
18: answers my question. (laughs) Now, Nan, in Scotland, I understand the husband is invariably the boss. Is that true? Do the males always wear the pants in the family?
19: Oh, some, yes, and some have (laughs) kilts.
18: Well, don't you find it confusing when someone says your slip is showing and... uh... (laughs) You don't know whether the remark is intended for you or your boyfriend? (laughs) Well, you're both very nice kids, and you have every Scottish right to be happy. eh? (laughs) Now, let's see if you're going to be the ones who get the chance at the $2,000 question. Now, in just one minute, you're going to play you Bet Your Life.
14: You'll never have to wonder about what kind of service you'll get. When you take your car to a DeSoto Plymouth dealer. Well, that's where you always get efficient service, courteous service, service at a fair price. Yes, and that's where you'll find out about two truly great new cars, DeSoto and Plymouth. The brilliant new DeSoto with its sweeping lines is new from its magnificent full-width front grille to its smart-looking newly designed rear end. Inside and out, it's as beautiful a car as you've ever seen. Inside and out, it's as practical a car as you've ever dreamed of. When you drive the new DeSoto, you'll be thrilled by the surge of power at your command. And remember, all dealers who sell DeSoto also sell Plymouth, the beautiful car that's packed with value and ready to
18: prove it. Now, let's see if you two will get a chance at the $2,000, Phantom, and explain the rules. All right. Each of our three couples has twenty dollars. They bet as much of that twenty
14: as they want on each of four questions. The couple that earns the most money gets a chance at the two thousand dollar
18: Desoto Plymouth question at the end of the show. Our other two couples are in a
14: waiting room off stage, so they don't know what's happening out here.
18: Here we go. Let's see how high I can build you twenty dollars. You selected songs with time in the title as your category. Now here's your first question. How much of the twenty will you risk? Ten. Ten dollars. Give me the title of this song as Rudy Valleys theme song. Ten. Time is right. And they're on their way with $30, Bracho. As Feniman says, you're on your way with $30. Remember, you're going for $2,000 tonight. Now, how much of the $30 will you try?
4: $25.
18: $25. What is the name of this song? It has time in the title.
4: Apple
18: Blossom Time. Apple Blossom Time, time is right. They're climbing. they are climbing. We have dollars $55. You have fifty-five dollars. Here's your third question. How much is the fifty-five? Oh, Fifty. Fifty. <laughs> Fifty dollars. They get along famously, do <laughs> This song was made famous in the picture Casablanca. What's the title? Ah! Man, you had me scared that time. I thought you were going to blow the duke. You got 105
4: Is <laughs> Here's your last chance to beat the
18: other couples. How much of the 105 will you try? All of it. Here's your last chance to beat the other couples. You're going to bet $105. What is the title of this song? Okay, Jerry. <laughs> and good luck from the DeSoto Plymouth dealers. Now, don't go away. You may get a chance at the big question. Groucho, the secret word
14: is still dress. Dress. Perhaps our next couple will say it. Perhaps. Just before we went on the air, we selected a married man from the studio audience and a hotel housekeeper. And here they are,
18: Mr. Phil Sonis and Mrs. Vera Isolde. Meet Groucho Marx. Welcome to your bet your life, kids. And if you say the secret word, you divide $100 between you. It's a common word. It's something you see every day. A housekeeper and a husband, eh? Mrs. Uh, Vera I- Isoldi, uh, you're the housekeeper, huh? Yeah. Where are you from originally, uh, Vera?
21: Uh, I was born on 12th Street, New York City. I'll
18: New call York- you Vera, huh? That's
21: right. Uh, New York I don't know City. That's right,
18: but I'll call you Vera anyway.
21: <laughs> <laughs> you have a charming
18: accent, uh, Vera. What is it?
21: Touch of English.
18: Mr. Phil uh, Sones? Sonus, yes. Son, so what kind of an accent is, is that you've got? That's sir? California. What part of California Do you come from originally? Chicago I was under the impression California only extended As far east as Pennsylvania
4: <laughs> However, I
18: understand They have an option On New England
4: <laughs>
18: What sort of work Do you do? I'm a house-to-house salesman For
20: the Kelligan Software Service Operation <laughs>
4: You sell
18: houses, you say, from house to house? No, I sell soft water. <coughs> Sounds like a pretty soft job to me. <laughs> Vera, let's get back to you. I'll, I'll return to you in a moment. Dear. Don't think you've heard the last of this soft water.
21: <laughs> You're a housekeeper, you say, Vera? Uh, yes.
18: Where do you keep house?
21: The Flamingo in Nevada.
18: Keep house Las for the Flamingo? Nevada. Huh? You mean you run a birdcage?
21: No. No.
18: What is the Flamingo?
21: It's the most beautiful hotel in Las Vegas, Nevada.
18: Oh, Las Vegas. Oh, a squirrel
21: cage, huh? Eh?
4: <laughs> sure you
21: got me all confused. What does this menagerie look like? We have wonderful grounds and a very, very nice casino.
18: Is that a big casino or a little casino? <laughs> what, what is the casino?
21: Well, it's uh, where the guests come to gamble.
18: Wiped out is what we call it. <laughs> Do you get any free shots at the roulette table? Yeah?
21: I don't, I don't gamble I don't understand gambling
18: That doesn't stop the other people in Las Vegas. <laughs> You say you don't gamble at all? You don't understand it? What's a double six in craps? Boxcar Boxcar <laughs> I understand gambling, but you understand you understand railroading, is that it? <laughs> uh, now, Vera, has anything unusual ever happened in, in your casino, like somebody winning?
21: <laughs> well, I've passed through sometimes and heard quite a noise because uh, the people have won uh, the jackpot.
18: What is the jackpot?
21: Well, it's slot machines, I believe. <laughs>
18: And You're
21: not they... so now as you are. Well, I don't understand very much about it, but I know some of them have put some money in, and out comes the. Out comes, out the, comes the proprietor. Plot, as they of
18: it. <laughs> out comes the proprietor and fixes the machine so no money will ever come out again.
4: <laughs> where, do you,
18: where do you live in Las Vegas?
21: Well, the management uh, gives me a room and bath.
18: the room, but who gives you the bath? <laughs> the manager, eh?
4: It's <laughs> a
18: very old joke, but it's a very old manager, too. Oh, uh, a young manager. Uh, a young manager.
4: <laughs> well, in that case, you take a shower.
18: Eh? <laughs> now, Mr. Sunnis, uh, yeah. you might as well wake up. Do you... Uh... <laughs> Tell us about this job you do, this soft water swindle well... that you... Uh... <coughs>
20: Going house to house and trying to sell the housewives on the advantages of all the soft water services that they have to available to them. And just what are they? Well, there's mostly Culligan soft water service. That's the one I'm associated That's a with. That's double talk again, huh? <laughs> do you help your wife with the housework? Occasionally. How much do you help your wife? About as much
18: as other husbands. <laughs> you ever wonder what those other husbands are doing in your house, eh?
20: How long have you been married, Phil? About ten years now. now how'd you meet your wife? Well, again, it gets back to the soft water business. I was a house-to-house. What's sales... the name of it? The Kellogan Soft Water. <laughs> <business>. <laughs> Rang the doorbell, and this very irate young lady came to the door. She was very much provoked, and her hair was in shambles. But shortly after, I got in to shambles? A
18: sh- in <laughs> shambles. Well, is that near there? Uh... <laughs> Why didn't she get her hair back, huh? <laughs> well, uh, after
20: I got through telling her about my pie, she threw her arms around me, kissed me, and we were, the next night we had a date, and I was able to explain to her the advantage of soft water. <laughs> is, uh,
18: is that the customary reaction you get?
20: You use a proper approach, to the customary reaction
18: Do you need somebody to work the other side of the street? Maybe we could combine, I could use hard water across the street, huh? Well, Vera, I've made up my mind and I'm flying to Las Vegas in the morning on my Flamingo But right now, let's see if you can clean up in the battle for the $2,000 question You've got to work together as a team and run your $20 And the more than the other couples, to get a chance at the big question I can't tell you how much our first couple won, but Phantom is going to remind our listeners.
14: The Scottish war bride and her husband won
18: $210. Here we go. Let's see how high I can build you $20. You select the colors of flowers as your category. All right, here's your first question. How much of the 20 will you try? Five. <laughs> All right, what color is the gardenia? White. White is correct. <laughs> now they have $25, oh, I should say white is right. Now you got $25. Remember, you're going for $2,000 tonight. Now, how much are the twenty-five? Fifteen. Fifteen dollars. What color is a daffodil? Yellow.
4: That's right. (laughs) On
18: the way, they have forty dollars. All right, you've got forty dollars, and here's your third question: How much are the forty? Thirty. Thirty dollars. What color is a poinsettia? Uh, Uh, Red. Red Red is correct. (laughs) They're climbing. They have seventy dollars now. All right, you got seventy dollars, and here's your last chance to beat the other couples. How much are the seventy? Shoot
20: the moon.
18: What color is lilac? Purple. Purple is right, and they wind up with one hundred and forty dollars. Thanks and good luck from the Desoto Plymouth Dealers. I will soon know against the chance at the two thousand dollar question, friends. You'll
14: find a DeSoto Plymouth dealer ready and eager to serve you no matter where you drive. I'm driving my friends a distraction. Like to come along, Fenneman? <laughs> well, I'll go as far as the nearest DeSoto Plymouth dealer, Groucho. I don't want you any further, Fenneman. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's where I know there's expert factory-trained mechanics who give your car and my car the same watchful care a mother gives a baby. Did you ever try to burp at a DeSoto?
4: <laughs> expert
14: mechanics work with factory-designed and approved tools and equipment to give you the best service job you can get, no matter what the make of your car. So visit him the very first thing tomorrow morning. Now,
18: won't that look pretty, all those people driving around in their pajamas? <laughs> all right, Feniman, who's ahead in the battle for the $2,000 question? Well, the Scottish couple are ahead with $210, and the
14: secret word is still dress. We invited some glassblowers and some movie stuntmen to the program tonight... And just before we went on the air, our studio audience selected glassblower Richard Seaman
18: and stuntman Bob Morgan. And here they are. Gentlemen, meet Grotto Marx. Welcome, boys, for the DeSoto Plymouth Dealers. And if you say the secret word, you'll divide $100 in cash. It's a common word, something you see every day. Mr. Uh, Richard Seaman, yes. you're a glassblower, is that right? That's right. Well, blow me down. Where are you from? Kansas City, Missouri. Mr. Uh, Morgan, uh, Bob Morgan, uh, you're, the, you're the stuntman, huh? Yes, I am. How's tricks? Mm-hmm. I don't do tricks. I do stunts. Oh well, how's stunts?
4: Huh? <laughs> where, where are you
18: from, Bob? Mount Carmel, Illinois. Pretty sticky place, isn't it?
4: <laughs> well,
22: what do you do your glass blowing? Uh, I don't, Mr. Seaman. At the Glasscraft Company.
18: The Glasscraft, huh? Is there anything like the Chriscraft? Uh... <laughs> That's a boat. That's a boat, huh? <laughs> well, this is a boat glassblowing. We're talking on a boat So
4: what
22: are you doing your job? Well, we take molten glass and, on the end of a blow iron, and form it into different shapes, like uh, perfume bottles or television tubes. What's your most popular item? Then? The television tubes. They're in most demand right now. Why is that? Well, they're scarce and everybody wants them. Everybody wants them? Not
18: <laughs> there. Not people who are employed in radio.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
18: Have you ever had the hiccups while blowing a light bulb? And all you got were percolator tops?
4: <laughs>
18: Let's get back to you, man. Just while, what do you do in your job? Well, I
14: double actors and stars in the
18: business. You mean double actors.
14: Whenever they uh, have a hazardous stunt that an actor can't perform or shouldn't
18: perform, why, they call a stuntman to do it. You mean if there's something an actor won't do, they hire you for the job? Yes, that's right. I don't see how you make any money,
4: huh? (laughs) I didn't think there
18: was anything an actor wouldn't do. How much would you charge me to jump off a hundred foot cliff? Oh, about $10 a foot. Well, that's cheap enough. All you have is two feet, huh? (laughs) Uh, How much would you charge me to jump off uh, off a curb? I don't jump from curbs. How do you get across the street? (laughs) How do you manage a double for a star and keep the audience from, uh, getting wise? Well, they generally select you because of your physical resemblance to the star. They keep our back to the camera, profile, so forth, and keep our face out of the camera as much as possible. In many cases, the audience has their back to the picture, too, you know. <laughs> our listeners would like to know how you do some of these stunts. For example, say you jump off a 500-foot cliff. Uh, how do you manage it?
14: Well, ordinarily they will, uh, Put a parallel about ten feet below the top of the cliff, and a stuntman will jump to the parallel, and they'll cut away to a long shot of a
18: dummy flying through space and landing. Do they ever get confused? (laughs) (laughs) Not yet. Now, glassblower, are you getting the jitters, listening to all this mayhem? No, I haven't. How did you get to be a glassblower? Well, did you start off to school one morning, twirling your books
22: and say... When I grow up I'm gonna be a glass blower
18: and nobody's gonna stop me.
22: Well, that was the last thing I ever thought it would be. Just looking for a job and <laughs> Well you went
18: someplace where they were blowing glass and uh, Yes. Uh... and they asked you if you had any experience? And you lied, huh? That's
4: right.
18: How do you blow glass? Do you chew up all milk bottles and puff? No, we take
22: uh molten glass and uh... We make different uh, articles out of it. After you get it on the end of this uh, blowpipe, uh, it's about four or five feet long. why uh, you can blow it into different shapes, or can you can you uh, control the
18: uh, shape of the?
22: Oh yes, things any, that come Any shape it? you want, you can. Huh? Mm-hmm.
18: Well, I know what shape I want, but I don't know whether you can do it. I mean. <laughs> now, what happens after the glass is shaped? Uh, we anneal it. I, I beg your pardon. <laughs> It's an eel it's, it's an eel? I thought it was a television too. <laughs> no, it's an eel A-N-N-E-A-L You don't have to spell it All the kids are in bed by now <laughs> What has an eel got to do with all this? Is it, is it a live eel? No, it's not an eel It's an eel <laughs> You know, we can be sued by Abbott and Costello that. But... I think this guy's blown his top. I've got a humor. What is, what is the eel doing in your blowpipe?
4: <laughs> well,
22: by that I mean, Anil, you take the glass over to a furnace and you take the strains and stress out of it. And that's Anil.
4: <laughs> Boy,
22: you're
18: a wizard clarifying things. <laughs> All right, now let's see how a glassblower and a stuntman make out and you bet your life You beat the other couples and you'll get a chance at the $2,000 soda Plymouth question I can't tell you how much the other two couples won, but Fenneman's offstage to remind our listeners
14: The Scottish war bride and her husband are still ahead with $210
18: Here we go, let's see how high I can build you $20 You select the tools of the trade as your category Now here's your first question, how much of the 20 are you going to try? How much do we got? You have twenty dollars. Oh.
22: Oh, okay. You may wind up with twenty. Ten dollars.
18: All right. Who uh, who would use a mortar and a pestle? Uh,
22: either a chemist or a scientist.
18: Well, I think that's right. It's a pharmacist, but I think you had it right. Huh? Run <clears throat> away with thirty dollars, Blatchel. All right. You're running along. You got thirty dollars. Remember, you're going for two thousand dollars tonight. Now, how much of the thirty will you try? Twenty. Twenty dollars. Who would use a stick and a press? for <laughs> the the one then. That's right, a printer is right. Accordingly, They
14: have fifty dollars.
18: Here's your third question. How much of the fifty? Talk it up now. <laughs> Twenty-five. How much? Twenty-five. Twenty-five dollars. Oh, okay. Who would use a transit and a plumb bob?
22: Uh, a surveyor. A surveyor.
18: surveyor is correct. Now they have seventy-five dollars. Right, seventy-five dollars. Here's your last chance to beat the other couples. How much of the seventy-five? dollars. <laughs> Who would use a scalpel and a suture? A doctor. A doctor or a surgeon is right. They wind up with one hundred
14: twenty-five dollars, and that means the Scotch War Bride and her husband with two hundred ten dollars get the chance to do Soto Plymouth two thousand dollar question. service at a price that's fair. That's the creed of every DeSoto Plymouth dealer. When you drive in for service at the sign of a DeSoto Plymouth dealer, you can count on this. Expert mechanics working with factory-approved tools and equipment will give your car the careful attention you want it to have. They'll do a better job on your car in a shorter time, and that means money in your pocket. It also means a car that will give you faithful... Economical service for miles and miles. So next time your car needs service, stop in and get acquainted with a DeSoto Plymouth dealer. And remember, all dealers who sell DeSoto also sell Plymouth. Here's the Scotch war bride and her husband, the winning couple, (laughs) all ready for the DeSoto Plymouth $2,000 question. Groucho? All
18: right, kids. Here's a chance to make you the two richest people in Scotland. Here we go for $2,000. I'll give you 15 seconds to decide on a single answer between you, so think carefully and please, no help in the audience. Here it is. President Truman recently made a cross-country trip to participate in a dedication at a great new dam on the Columbia River. For $2,000, what is the name of this important dam? Okay, what's the answer you two have decided upon? Grand Cooley. Ah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. You win $2,000. You had the right answer, so you win $2,000. What are you going to do with all that money?
4: <laughs> She's like... going
18: to
19: do
4: it. <laughs> oh. uh, what I are like... you going to do with it, uh, like man? I'd like to...
19: Uh... To give uh, my husband's mother some of it Help her out She's been so wonderful to me
18: <laughs> Couldn't you help her out for less money than this?
4: <laughs> <laughs> All
18: right, you win $2,000 Plus $210 in the quiz You really cleaned up tonight <laughs> Congratulations from the more than 3,000 soda Plymouth dealers from coast to coast You bet your life
14: Life is a John Goodell production, transcribed from Hollywood, directed by Robert Dwan and Bernie Smith. Music by Jerry Fielding. Be sure to tune in again next Wednesday night at this time for the Groucho Mark Show, you Bet Your Life, presented by the more than 3,000 DeSoto Plymouth dealers of America. And remember, all dealers who sell DeSoto also sell Plymouth, two great cars, both products of the Chrysler Corporation. And don't forget, next week, the big question will be worth one thousand dollars. Good
18: night, folks, and remember, just be sure to see your DeSoto limousine.
7: Well,
14: here's a tip from the National Safety Council: Don't wait for a rainy day to check your windshield wipers.
1: Welcome to Meet the Paint. I'm Stan Freeberg, and here with me are Mr. Bernie Umber. How do you do? And Miss Natalie Woodwork.
23: Delighted.
1: I've been a radio buff as long as I can remember. Longer, actually. According to my mother, there was a Philco table radio in the delivery room of the California Lutheran Hospital, dragged along by the nurse who hated to miss young Dr. Malone. I was born on August 7th between a Rinsel commercial and the NBC Chimes, which makes me a Leo with Lever Brothers as my rising sign. Mr. Freeberg? Yes? We already read that joke on the back of this record jacket. Oh? Well, it's pretty small print. For those who couldn't quite make it out, I just thought i Yes,
3: well, it. Uh, what's the point?
1: Well, I go on to say on the back that I believe in radio because radio is dedicated to man's imagination, the theater of the mind.
3: I don't see where you said that on the album jacket.
1: You don't? Well, if I didn't, I should have. It has a nice ring to it.
23: It certainly does.
1: In other words, in radio, all things are possible, left to one's imagination, including Mm -hmm. the demonstrating of paint colors, you know, which is why Pittsburgh is advertising on radio as well as TV. Oh, well, why... When
23: did you first start creating radio commercials for Pittsburgh paints?
1: Well, let's see. Uh, It was uh, the year I got my last... Booster shot. That was 19... uh... Did you
23: have any bad reaction from it?
1: No, as far as I know, everybody at Pittsburgh Paint seemed to like the stuff pretty well.
23: After I had mine, I couldn't lift my arm for a week. Wait a
1: minute. We're getting off the track. Uh... In other words,
3: when you suggested radio, there was no objection raised at the client level?
23: I couldn't raise it to any level.
3: Look, does radio have any impact? I mean, how many sets are actually in use today?
23: Well,
1: only about 400 million. 400 million radios? That was a figure for 1970. 98% of all homes have radios. Not even counting their cars, the average home has 5.1 sets in use.
23: 5.1? What kind of a radio is one-tenth of a set?
1: That's a very tiny transistor just developed by a midget Japanese engineer with the Sony Corporation. It comes built into a caraway seed.
23: Aren't those people amazing? Uh,
1: Yes.
3: Well, uh, although apparently radio today has rapidly built into a veritable bonanza...
23: I thought he said it was built into a caraway seed. Uh,
3: Are you saying Pittsburgh Paints will be advertising only on radio?
1: No, no. A rather satirical bird I've created for them, the Pittsburgh Peacock will be debuting in living color on network television any moment now. He's standing on the front of this record jacket. That's nice. Yes. While he's unfurling his feathers on TV, a new series of radio dramas i produced will be playing to help people think of color. And what's it called? I call it the Pittsburgh Paints Theater of the Air. Starting this spring, you'll be hearing them night and day.
23: I didn't know Cole Porter wrote commercials.
1: Well, they also play in the fall. Oh, yes. What about summertime?
23: I think that was
1: George Gershwin. Yeah, it was Gershwin.
3: Yes, well, uh, is that about it now, uh, for the side of the record? Yes,
1: except to sign off with two commercials. The first I wrote and produced for the radio industry, which demonstrates a little better what I've been trying to say about the power of radio. It's called Redecorating Lake Michigan and features a 10-ton maraschino cherry, among other items. Uh, That'll be followed by my demonstration of painting on radio, which you may have heard.
3: And where is your new Pittsburgh Paints Theater of the Air?
1: Now, to hear that, just turn the record over. Turn the record over. That's right, and put the arm down.
23: I can now, but I couldn't right after I got my shot.